Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of As the Crime Turns. I'm your host, Desmond Devell, and I'd like to thank you all for listening today. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a second and fill you in on some things. Today is our episode 7, and next week will be our episode 8, our season finale. During our time away, we'll work on the second season and more than likely come back in the early fall. In the meantime, remember to join our mailing list for any updates we send out. And if you can, tell a friend. Let them know to subscribe and give us a listen. Without further ado, here is part two of The Mystery of Mounds High. Previously on As the Crime Turns, in the winter of 2013, this would become the narrative for Kenneth and Jackie Johnson. The school recorded Kendrick, making it to first, second, and third period, but unfortunately, not his last. On Thursday, January 10th, and they found the body the next day. So it was a whole yes. day before they even found this young man. Yes, it was. Kenneth, you know, we always talking about dads being there for their Putting kids. Putting into this scenario, basically, because he was positioned in an upside-down manner of a constricting mat, he ultimately stopped breathing and died. By his own body weight, no significant injuries. Said it was no foul play. He had no bruises, no nothing. The doctor recorded, and I quote, visceral removed at initial autopsy is not present with the body. In other words, collectively, the internal organs of the body were removed at the initial autopsy and were no longer present with the body. What was there in replace of the organs, you ask? Newspaper. After finding out their son had been left without his organs, several events would begin to transpire. For one, somewhere between the first autopsy and where we are now in the story, Benjamin Crump attempts to enlist his services. You may have heard of the attorney Benjamin Crump from the tragic case of Trayvon Martin. As I stated previously, the Johnson family was heated. The first thing they did was went back and questioned the funeral home about KJ's internal remains. According to the funeral home, Harrington Funeral Home, Kendrick's organs were never received from the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Remember in part one, Marianne Gaffney Kraft of the GBI performed Kendrick's autopsy in January of 2013. The funeral home claimed they had been advised Kendrick's remains had been destroyed through natural process and had been discarded by the prosector prior to his body being returned to Valdosta for the homegoing services. The funeral home explained when the deceased are returned in this manner, it is normal to fill the void body with cotton, sawdust, or in this case, newspaper. Who knew that? I didn't. Sidebar. This case just gets even more twisted. Before this case, I never knew this was something that funeral homes did. That fall, October 2013 to be exact, the U.S. Attorney for the Middle District of Georgia announced he was reopening the investigation. With the help of the FBI, Michael Moore planned to make a formal review of Kendrick's case. He stated, quote, 
My objective is to discover the truth, and I believe that can only be done by gathering all the evidence and relevant information surrounding Johnson's death. Quote. Shortly after, Benjamin Crump sent an application to the state of Georgia asking for permission to practice on behalf of the Johnson family, who was unfortunately denied. He recused himself from the case from that point forward. That November, 290 hours of surveillance from Lowndes County High was released to CNN via court request. Not a lot came of this surveillance other than a possible gap in footage. Attorneys for the Johnson family expressed fears that the camera footage was edited as part of a cover-up. About an hour and 30 minutes was allegedly missing from the footage. However, Valdosta Daily Times explained after investigation that the anomalies casted a great doubt that this could possibly have been a cover-up. On December 10, 2013, the family of Kendrick Johnson files a formal complaint against the Harrington Funeral Home. The complaint was filed with the Georgia State Board of Funeral Services against Antonio Harrington, the owner. Kenneth and Jackie felt they had been swindled. The couple stated they were misled on the condition of their son's body, and at worst, the funeral home is responsible for the removal and destruction of his organs and desecration of Kendrick's body. In October, Kenneth confronted Antonio about the results of the second autopsy. According to CBS, Antonio explained he believed only one or two organs might have been missing when the funeral home received the remains. Harrington explained the organs had been destroyed and discarded by the prosector prior to the body's arrival. Kenneth, Jackie, and their attorney considered this entire scenario to be fraud. The Johnsons felt the Harrington funeral home may have very well facilitated a cover-up as to the case of their son's death. With the organs missing, the pathologist could have possibly been deprived of determining the cause of death. The Harrington Funeral Home's response to the complaint was nothing more than they were advised that Viscera, collectively the internal organs, were disposed due to the way Kendrick died. Basically saying, the organs were destroyed because of the way the blood rushed to his head, I imagine. They also justified using the newspaper to stuff Kendrick, stating it was in compliance with burial protocol. According to CBS News, Sherry Lang, a GBI public spokesperson, gave the following feedback, quote, Every single autopsy conducted at the GBI, the internal organs are returned to the body cavity, quote, The investigation would eventually expose that not only was it not a common practice to use newspaper when embalming a body, but also there were two additional parties who had their hands on Kendrick's remains. The Lowndes Valdosta Regional Crime Lab and a local third-party transport company. The transport company was only used to get the body to the LVR Crime Lab, and Kendrick's remains only sat in that crime lab until the GBI was ready to perform the autopsy. In January 2014, now one year after KJ's death, the Georgia Secretary of State closed the investigation, claiming Harrington Funeral Home broke no rules. Meanwhile, the Lowndes County Sheriff got a tip. An anonymous email alleging a former schoolmate confessed to killing Kendrick. Well, actually, the email alleges four people. Investigators interviewed two of the four who both admitted to knowing Kendrick through school but had no involvement in his death. 
At the time, the individuals were left anonymous as they were not officially charged in the case. He was found dead in a rolled up gym mat at his high school, originally ruled accidental. The parents are very upset. They believe that their son was murdered. So now feds took over the investigation, but now the latest development we're getting is that there was an email tip sent to the uh, sheriff's office uh, saying and implicating certain individuals. The sheriff's office, which ruled this an accident, now following up on that the next day, issuing subpoenas, and it seems like this investigation moving forward. Joey Jackson, Mike Brooks with me, and Jane Velez Mitchell, host of Jane Velez Mitchell, joins us now. Uh, Jane, it seems from where I'm sitting, this is a, a big, big development in trying to get to the bottom of what happened here. Absolutely, Vinny. And uh, I think it's great that with alacrity, investigators interviewed uh, two of the four individuals named in this anonymous email tip. Uh, I'd like to see them go further. Uh, first of all, I'd like to know where were they at the time of uh, Kendrick Johnson's uh, death? So that's number one. Also, if you're looking at the poor individual, the victim there in the rolled up gym mat, there's clothing, there's a, a lot of material around there. Uh, what about their DNA, their fingerprints? Is there any matchup between those two? So I think that there's a lot of work still to be done. I'm also curious. Uh, I heard uh, uh, the, the report that 100 people were interviewed in the wake of this. And I want to know, were those two individuals or the four individuals named in the anonymous tip amongst those 100 individuals originally interviewed? And of course, the biggest question, who sent the anonymous tip? Is this person possibly the one who's actually involved and wants to throw police off as we get a closer to a possible resolution with the feds getting involved and a grand jury uh, convening to hear this? Um, is this possibly an effort to send them in the wrong direction? So uh, it really compounds the mystery, but there's a lot to work with here. Well, Jane, Victor Blackwell said that the four names have come up in the investigation before. So we don't know if they are possibly part of the 100 who were interviewed, and they are trying to find out the uh, origin and who sent this. Uh, so, you know, they've interviewed two. They, have, they didn't interview the other two. Could this also be an investigative ploy. Could this be, uh, you know, talk to two of them and maybe there might be some talk between the others. And uh, so it, they, they, I, don't, I don't think that they're ignoring the other two. At this point, the Johnson family was fed up. They had diligently sought answers and were tired of surprises and the runaround. In front of them, they had their son's possible homicide. His viscera missing. His remains stuffed with newspaper. An unjust cause of death surveillance tapes that they felt were possibly edited. Now, rumors that some kids from the school may have actually killed Kendrick. Enough was enough. The family felt Kendrick had been beaten to death. It was time to take legal action. February 2014, they started with the funeral home. The lawsuit claimed the Harrington Funeral Home allegedly, intentionally, willfully, and secretly desecrated the remains of Kendrick Johnson. Their motive? Making it difficult to establish the true cause and manner of death. Now, in my personal opinion, I'd like to let you guys know that it was Antonio Harrington at Harrington Funeral Home who actually recommended to the Johnson family they even get a second autopsy. So I'm pretty sure he never thought that the recommendation would evolve into a lawsuit and 
I don't think he even would have recommended the lawsuit if he purposely had removed the organs. That May, they moved to the Lowndes County School District. The lawsuit filed in State Superior Court alleged the Lowndes County Board of Education was negligent and violated Johnson's constitutional right to equal protection based on race. Later that summer, the Johnsons would file another lawsuit against the school board, this time claiming wrongful death. According to CNN, the new lawsuit blames the Lowndes County School Board for allowing Kendrick to die, quote, at the hands of one or more students, quote, while at Lowndes High School during school hours. It also went on to claim that school officials failed to, quote, properly monitor the activities of students throughout the area, quote, of the school's campus and failed to, quote, maintain a properly functioning video surveillance system, quote. Tired of not getting the results needed, the family also started using the names of the two individuals that were interviewed by Lowndes County Sheriff after the anonymous emails were sent earlier that year. The two individuals were Brian and Brandon Bell. So this is all speculation here, but it was said Brandon and Brian's father, Rick Bell, who at the time was an FBI agent, not sure if he still is, was covering the entire investigation up. From the initial finding of Kendrick to the cause of death being an accident, it would even go so far that Ebony Magazine posted an article about the death of Kendrick and within it explaining that it could be possibly Brandon and Brian who committed the crimes. This speculation would grow so large that Brian Bell would lose a full four-year scholarship to Florida State University to play football. Why they felt it was the Bell brothers is 100% fully unknown. Some sources say that in 2011, Brian and KJ got into a fight on a school bus after, I guess, Kendrick had allegedly slept with Brian's girlfriend. In 2014, Brian, Brandon, and their parents filed a $5 million lawsuit against Ebony Magazine. Ebony never clearly stated their names, but described them perfectly and left several pseudonyms hinting at the description of the Bell Brothers. The articles were subsequently removed thereafter. Now for the big boy. In January 2015, the Johnson family filed a $100 million lawsuit in DeKalb County against almost 38 individuals, including the Bell brothers and their father. The civil lawsuit also included several county offices, including the school board and the crime lab. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation, several sheriffs, the sheriff department, and the entire city of Valdosta. Everybody got it. Kenneth and Jacqueline felt their son, as they had stated prior, had been murdered, and that all 38 parties listed were conspiring to cover it up. Because of the proximity of the families and the superior court judges, all of those presiding over the cases up until this point recused themselves, causing the trial to be placed on hold. Shortly after, Michael Moore, the middle district attorney who opened a federal investigation in this case, resigned. The case was then sent to the Northern District of Ohio under the leadership of Stephen Dettelbach. Shortly after that, Dettelbach resigns. 
Despite these disparities, the Department of Justice's investigation, started over two years ago at this point, still continued. Later that year, the Department of Justice filed a motion to intervene on the civil case until the federal investigation had been completed. The DOJ felt introducing new evidence would be chilling considering the fact the federal investigation was looking at possibly obstruction and grand jury witness tampering. The, D the DOJ's notion was denied, but Kenneth and Jackie decided to drop their wrongful death suit in hopes that they could refile after the Department of Justice concluded their efforts. After that, a clapback comes. Jackie and Kenneth were sued for over $850,000 in legal fees and an additional sum to the tune of $1 million in defamation damages. This was getting ugly. June 20, 2016, the United States Department of Justice announced no criminal charges will be filed in relation to the death of Kendrick Johnson. After extensive investigation into the tragic event, federal investigators determined that there was insufficient evidence to provide beyond a reasonable doubt that someone or some group of people could have willfully violated Kendrick Johnson's civil rights or committed any other prosecutable federal crime. A online cyber group titled Anonymous announced they were also investigating this case and they felt the entire thing was covered up. Greetings world, we are Anonymous. On the evening of January 10, 2013, 17-year-old Kendrick Johnson, a sophomore at Lowndes High School in Valdasta, Georgia, was reported missing by his mother Jackie, a bus driver for Lowndes County Schools. He had went to school that morning, but did not return home so his mother called 911. The following day KJ's body was discovered inside of a gym mat in Lowndes High School's old gym. The superintendent West Taylor's two daughters were the first to discover KJ's body by seeing a pair of feet with white socks sticking out of a vertical rolled gym mat. These students notified teachers and they moved the gym mat to the floor exposing KJ's body still in the gym mat. Local authorities were called, as well as the Georgia Bureau of Investigations. Both law enforcement agencies were on the scene for hours before the coroner was called, which is a violation of Georgia law. Paramedics that arrived on scene said the scene should be considered a crime scene. They were aware that the scene they were at was that of a homicide. The paramedics noticed bruising on KJ's body, including bruises to his neck and face. The law enforcement agencies did not secure the area with crime scene tape as they already had a theory in place as to what happened. Their official story is that KJ, whose shoulders measured 19 inches wide, dove headfirst into a 6-foot-long rolled-up gym mat with a hole of 14 inches wide, to obtain a shoe. He had gotten stuck in the mat and being upside down for that long. He died. There was a pool of blood under the gym mat, but none on the shoe that he had dived in the mat to retrieve. KJ's shoes that he was wearing when he was last seen on the surveillance cameras were tossed into the mat near his feet that were in the air. There were also another pair of gym shoes and a hoodie near the gym mat. Those were not collected as evidence. There was also blood on a vertical beam located near the mat. 
and the trash can in one of the bathrooms of the old gym was filled with bloody paper towels. These were quickly dismissed by saying a female had gotten injured in the old gym the night before, as KJ's dead body was laying in the mat. The blood was only tested to see if it matched KJ's, and it did not. When asked about the evidence that was not collected, Sheriff Chris Prime became angry and said this. Got some questions about the Kendrick Johnson case. Why not, sir? Because our case is closed. The family has some concerns about why some things were not taken into evidence. There was blood on the wall. Discuss the case with you. And wh why is that? Because I don't want to. Then, less than a minute after he'd invited us in, why did you not understand that I said I'm through talking to him? The coroner was not notified for six hours. Sheriff Prime excused this as not wanting the coroner to have to wait on investigators to sweep the scene. There are reports that the investigators wore gloves during the investigation, but they failed to wear foot protection. The foot protection is not to actually protect the shoes from anything, but to protect the scene from any foreign contaminants. Several students at Mounds High School said they saw KJ's body be taken out of the gym immediately after discovery. The students who were interviewed about the discovery share a very similar explanation. They said students often played on top of the mats. On the evening of January 11th, Sheriff Prine was telling media it was an accident. Some information on positional asphyxia from Wikipedia.com was included in the sheriff's report. The coroner, after being pursued by Victor Blackwell from CNN, later admitted that the scene had been compromised and the report he wrote was changed by Lowndes County Sheriff. He provided his original report, and Lowndes County Sheriff's Office had removed many things from it. KJ's mother was at the office in the school that day checking to see if her son had come to school. He had been marked absent. During her time in the office KJ's body was discovered and the school went on lockdown. Students of the school informed KJ's mother that it was her son that was found. She tried to go to the gym to identify the body, but law enforcement refused to allow her to see it. The next day KJ's father, who was out of town for work, returned to town and tried to identify the body, but was denied access. The LSCO took KJ's body to the Valdasta Lounge Regional Crime Lab. This lab does not have any affiliation with the GBI or the office of the coroner, but is directly connected to the Lowndes County Sheriff's Office in Valdasta City Police Department. Sheriff Prine was adamant in stating that officers in his office were not involved in compromising the death scene or the body is false, it was officers directly connected to LSCO that had access to the body after it was discovered. The gym mat shoe theory doesn't work. There is no way a teenager would dive headfirst into a mat propped up in the corner of the gym to get a shoe, while holding his headphones in his hand. If alone, it is impossible that his sneakers would end up on top of him. KJ's shoes were most likely taken off of him so his killers could more easily fit his body into the mat while rolling it up. From the very start, KJ's family never believed the story of the mat. It was only the second day back after Christmas break that KJ was killed. Lowndes High School was supposed to hand over all surveillance video the morning KJ's body was discovered. The IT tech said there was a problem and supposedly handed over video days later. KJ's family had to sue the school in court to get access to it. CNN also gained access to it and called experts in to evaluate. These experts said there was hours missing from the cameras right outside the gym. With all the discrepancies of evidence, testimonies, and witnesses, we call bullshit on the official story. So has the federal prosecutor who opened an investigation in October 2013.
Karen Bell, wife of FBI agent Rick Bell and mother of Brandon and Brian Bell, told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that her sons and FBI agent husband are the targets of a federal investigation. Brian and KJ had fought before and the Johnson family are suing Lowndes County School District for not protecting KJ from being bullied by the Bell brothers on campus. Brian is a star linebacker on the football team and is committed to playing for FSU football next year under coach Jimbo Fisher. In fact, Jimbo Fisher was visiting Lowndes High School and wheeled Brian Bell out of class the morning that KJ's body was discovered in the old gym. In interviews, Karen Bell says her son is the victim and is afraid for his safety. There are only two students who refused to be interviewed by investigators, Brandon and Brian Bell. However, Brian and his mother Karen have been interviewed by Atlanta Journal-Constitution and Karen has given several interviews to Adam Floyd of the Valdasta Daily Times. Adam Floyd is the main writer assigned to the Kendrick Johnson case for the Valdasta Daily Times and is the creator of the Kendrick's Last Walk video on YouTube as well as providing a timeline for KJ's disappearance. You should know that Adam Floyd was a teacher at Mounds High School when KJ was killed. He left his teaching job to be employed full-time at the Valdasta Daily Times. Brandon Bell told a reporter on Twitter that the wrestling team was in Macon, Georgia on January 9th, 10th and 11th. The information first given by Rounds High School was that the wrestling team left early on the morning of January 10th. Now, thanks to evidence found through the Johnson family lawyers, Lowndes High School has admitted that the wrestling team did not leave LHS until 12.30 on January 10th. This leaves a block of time in which KJ, Brandon, and Brian Bell all had lunch. The narrative provided by Lowndes County Sheriff's Office said that KJ went missing during fourth block. However, Thanks to an interview with Lee Touchton, lead investigator of the SCLC, we know KJ went missing during third block, where he shared a lunch period with both Bell brothers. Recently released surveillance video by the Johnson family lawyers shows Brandon Bell crossing the hallway back and forth by the old gym. At one point he completely changes his clothing. There is a cover-up of mass proportions in Valdasta, Georgia. There is no way that the official story could be the truth. KJ was found beaten and bloody stuffed inside of a meth that he could have gotten out of. The collection of evidence was mishandled purposely to help cover up the crime. The surveillance was edited with hours deleted. The only DNA tested the blood on wall to match KJ's and it didn't match. What really happened to Kendrick Johnson that day? Who killed that boy before he could begin exploring life after high school? Why did the authorities not do a full and complete investigation into the death of this team? With every piece of new evidence that is revealed there are more questions raised than answers given. Some black students were told they were not allowed to be interviewed by law enforcement. Administration at Mounds High School told students if they talked, their graduation would be threatened. The people of Valdasta know a cover-up has taken place and that local law enforcement will harass and arrest them for providing false statements. The people are afraid of the backlash if they come forward. The time has come for those people to join the fight for justice. Expose the corrupt for who they are. Expose the racism that is alive and well in Valdastra. The time has come to stand against the oppressors and fight for the truth. We are anonymous. We are legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget. Lowndes County, Georgia. You should have expected us. I'd be lying if I didn't say that made me nervous also. I've placed that entire video on the As the Crime Turns site for you to view at your leisure. Things died down for about a year 
until the summer of 2017, when a Superior Court Judge, Richard Porter, ruled the Johnson family would have to pay a total of $292,000 in damages based off the lawsuit they dropped. That sucks, but it could have been worse. They could have been ordered to pay the full $1.85 million. June 2018, Kendrick's body is exhumed for a second time for a third autopsy. A lot of information was withheld this go-round. The family was not really providing additional information other than the fact they were financing the entire ordeal from the digging to the transportation to the autopsy and the reburial. That November, the third autopsy was released. It turns out the autopsy was an addendum to the second from June 2013, now at this point five years ago. It basically, similar to the second, contradicts the cause of death for the first autopsy, stating the cause of death was non-accidental. It did, however, find that in addition to the previous points of blunt force trauma, an additional spot on the chest area. 2019. In February, an affidavit is released. A witness gives a testimony stating that an acquaintance confessed another person killed Kendrick. A lot of information has been blurred out, but I will read a few excerpts and place the rest on the As the Crime Turns website for you all to view at your leisure. Now keep in mind, quite a few details are missing, so I may say blank, and this just means that it was basically blacked out. According to blank, blank was taking steroids at the time and out of a roid rage or the effects of the steroids, Blank struck Kendrick Johnson in the neck with a 45-pound weight or dumbbell. Blank stated that Blank said to Blank that the aforementioned blow may have broken Kendrick Johnson's neck. According to Blank, Blank was a witness to the fight, and Blank told Blank that if Blank didn't keep quiet and help Blank move Kendrick Johnson's body, Blank, Blank, now Blank, would make sure blank would pay for it, as in suffer some form of retaliation. Blank also told me that after Kendrick Johnson's death, that his organs were removed and newspapers placed in the cavity so as to interfere with any effort to establish the correct time of death or to otherwise disclose any other injuries. Blank also told me that the autopsy was falsely documented. I placed the rest of this on the site for you all to view. Jacqueline gave the third autopsy, witness statement, and other undisclosed findings to the Lowndes County Sheriff in hopes of getting the case reopened. In May, the family drops and refiles the lawsuit against Harrington Funeral Home. Well, the family of Kendrick Johnson continues efforts to get justice for their son after he died in 2013. He was found rolled up in a gym mat at Lowndes High School. His parents have just refiled a lawsuit on May 21st after dropping it on May 20th. The lawsuit claims Kendrick's organs, clothes, and brain were disposed of to interfere with law enforcement investigation. WALB News 10's Rashawn Bassett joins us live in front of the business being sued. And Rashawn, have you spoken to anyone there? That's right. I'm standing here in front of the Harrington Family Funeral Home where they're saying they just learning about this 22 page lawsuit today. Now I spoke to the Harrington Funeral Home lawyer and he shares that 
they just knew that the lawsuit had been dismissed. And then I, after that, I also spoke to Mr. Kenneth Johnson, KJ's dad, who said that they dismissed the lawsuit because the judge had told them that too much time had passed in the particular case. So they dismissed it. And then the very next day on May, on May 21st, they decided to refile the lawsuit, essentially with the same information that was in the first lawsuit hoping to continue on in that particular case. Now, I spoke to Mr. Roy Copeland, who's a Valdosta lawyer who represents the funeral home. And he says that as of right now, they were hoping that they had the oversight to have these, these uh, accusations dismissed. But as of right now, the battle is going to continue in this case. And that's what I'm told, but I've not looked at a document as of yet. Uh, if they we found it, then obviously we're going to vigorously You heard him. Period. Today, no other charges have been brought forward in the death of Kendrick Johnson. It's obvious his family will not settle until they seek some type of justice. What do you guys think? I have mixed thoughts personally. Part of me feels it was an accident. I could definitely see myself trying to Superman into the mat, trying to get my gym clothes. You know, who would have known until you got inside that you were going to get stuck? On the contrary, I also see foul play and could easily follow the path that this was some type of organized crime. I want to hear my crime turner's feedback. The As the Crime Turns tip line is now open. Give us a call. Let us know what you think about this case. Do you think it was an accident? Or someone did it. The tip line phone number is 1-641-715-3900. When prompted, enter the extension 721-596-POUND. Again, that's 641-715-3900. When prompted, enter the extension 721-596-POUND. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. I hope you all enjoyed Side B of the Mystery of Mount High. Remember, next week is our season finale. I hope to see you all back here next Sunday. In the meantime, remember to check out the As the Crime Turns site for additional details on each week's episode. And also be sure to follow us on Instagram at As the Crime Turns Podcast. Until next time, I'm Desmond Dravel, and this is As the Crime Turns.